I'm really excited about this new series that we're starting today. It's called Running with the Giants. Running with the Giants. This is going to be a lot of fun. It should be, uh, I don't know, I don't like to be boxed in, so I'm going to say it's going to be four to eight week series, okay? Don't box me in. Don't put me in a box. I'll do what I want, you know, and that's, I, Crystal, Crystal will say, well, we'll do this for an eight-week series, and I'm like, I feel claustrophobic saying that, so, uh, so we'll do this as long as I feel like I want to do it, okay, so running with the giants, and today we are talking about Noah. Uh, Noah is actually a pretty interesting thing because even, you know, if you go through the history of Noah, you'll understand that the, the Bible talks in the New Testament that the end times before Jesus returns will look much like the days of Noah. So uh, I'm not preaching about that, but it is an interesting thing. If you have a Bible, turn to Hebrews 12.1. Hebrews 12.1. I read out of the New King James Version because that is the Bible that Jesus prefers. a man's Bible. It's sh- short and to the point. Uh, amp- my wife likes Amplified, and it goes on and on, and too much description for me. Hebrews 12, 1, you got it? Say amen. You don't say, hold up. I'm holding as long as I can hold. Are you ready? It says, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Come on, just tap your neighbor on the shoulder and tell him you're in a race. Come on, you're in a race. And and, you know, I was reading this the other day, and not only are you in a race, which is amazing when you think about it, but the Bible says that we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. So you have people that are watching you run this race. I don't know, some, you ever get a feeling that somebody's watching you? Come on, that's a song for a reason. Yeah, come on. That The truth is, is that you're in a race and somebody is watching you run the race. You have people that are cheering you on. You have people that are rooting for you, Amen. Well, Lord, I thank you for this amazing church, and I thank you for what you're going to do, Lord. They didn't come to hear a word from man, but they've come to hear a word from you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do something and speak to the hearts of your people. Lord, I thank you that every person in here would leave more in love with Jesus than when they came in. Lord, I thank you that you would reveal yourself through the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Running with giants. You know, uh, my son had a friend over uh, the other day, and uh, he was, uh, he, they were doing what boys do. They were sitting around watching TV, and uh, used to, we played, but now then kids just kind of watch TV, and so, and now they, they're very, they have a lot of technology, and so uh, they were actually in my living room, my living room, watching my 50-inch screen TV and watching YouTube videos, and uh, and and for whatever reason, uh, my my son's friend is incredibly uh, obsessed with basketball. Any basketball fans in this place? Because I'm not a basketball fan, uh, but but he loves basketball. I mean, and the, the the biggest mistake he showed up to my house wearing a Lakers shirt. I was like, "What? This is Mavs country, son." 
Like, what, what are you doing? And uh, at least, I mean, if, if, if the worst is Spurs. I mean, you got to root for the Spurs. But, but, uh, but here he is, and, and they're watching these videos, and, uh, and, and they're doing what I used to do because I was obsessed with this when I was younger, and we got to watch slam dunk contests. Anybody else out there feel like if, if, when I get to heaven, I'm going to be able to dunk a basketball? I mean, I'm just telling you right now, I just, I can feel it like it's going to be an amazing thing. Now, here's the deal is that I didn't know any of the people that were in these dunk contests because I actually grew up with legends like Michael Jordan. Come on, somebody. The greatest basketball player of all time. I don't care what you take LeBron, you forget it. Michael Jordan was the greatest basketball player of all time. And I'm not saying that he can't be beat. I'm just saying that he hasn't yet. And, uh, and then, or, or how about Scotty Pippen? Come on. Or how about the short guy hero, Spud Webb? Somebody tell me about Spud Webb. Short little guy, like what, five foot eight, goes out and dunks a basketball? That is a short man hero. And, uh, and so I grew up on these kind of guys, and so I didn't know any of these, any of these uh, ones that were in this current dunk contest, but, you know, it's always impressive when you see these people not just, you know, dunking a basketball, but doing these amazing shots, and, and, uh, and they're rolling along, and it gets down to, you know, it starts with like, you know, five or six, and then it gets down to the final four, and then it gets down to the final two. And, uh, and so here they are, and they're, they're going back and forth, and, and, uh, and it's, this is the finals. Like, it is, this is it. This dunk is counting for everything. It's for the win. And, uh, and the one guy goes, goes ahead, and he does his dunk, and it's amazing, and the crowd goes crazy, and it's, you know, everybody's, like, on their feet and cheering. And, and the next guy gets up, and he does something that I never expected him to do. And he, uh, before he dunks, he's getting ready, and, you know, he's stretching out and doing what people do, and, and he does something completely unexpected because he walks over to the stands where the legends are sitting, and they're all just kind of hanging out. They've gone before. They've won before, and they're sitting in the stands watching these young men perform and these young men compete. And this young man walks over to him, and he begins to talk to the legends and asking them advice on how that he could win. What should I do to, to, to push it above? What should I do to take it to the next level? And as I was watching this, I was completely shocked by it because I didn't expect it. And, and, and I began to think about this. I had this question come up in my mind. What if we could walk into the stands and get advice from the legends? What if we could, what, you know, here the Bible says that we're surrounded by this great crowd of witnesses. We have this amazing uh, 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 group of people that are watching us, cheering us on, uh, watching us run our race, and they've gone before us, and they've been there, and they've done that. And what if we could walk up into the stands and take advice from somebody like that? What would they say? Even better still, what if they actually came down onto the track with you and were able to take a lap? What would they say to encourage you? What would they say to cheer you on? What would they say to push you forward? What, what would it be if they could say it? So today, with that in mind, I want you to understand that we're going to jump into the life of Noah. What would Noah say if he could give you a piece of advice? I, I mean, there's a lot of things like, he could say, like, 
always slap a mosquito when you get the chance, right? He could say that. Always have somebody guard the termites. Huh? No? Gosh. How about always have a window in a bo- boat with a bunch of na- animals? He could say that. But I don't think that he would say any of those things. I think that if Noah could say one thing, and he could come down and he's talking to you, and he's, and he's running this race with you, I would think he would say this. The first piece of advice that he would give you is, one person can make a difference. One person can make a difference. You know, I think that so many times, this is the biggest lie that most people believe. That most people believe this lie that, that, that their life is insignificant. That they can't make a difference. That they can't make an impact. A lot of times what happens is, is we look at the need and we think it's too great. There's too big of an obstacle. There's too much to do. There's no way. And so what we end up doing is we end up folding our hands and sitting back saying, well, if I can't do it all, I'll do nothing. And I think Noah would tell you that if you will just trust God and understand this, that one person can make a massive difference if you'll let God work through you. One of my favorite stories about a person that has let God use them to make a difference and make an impact is a woman by the name of Christine Kane. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Christine Kane. Maybe you, you haven't, but uh, she was, a, she was a, uh, an evangelist. She would go around preaching. She, she came out of Hillsong, which is a, you know, we get a lot of songs from Hillsong. And she would go around, and she, would, uh, she was evangelizing and doing all this stuff. And Christine Kane had already defied so many different odds because whenever she was born, her, parent, her mother didn't want her. In fact, didn't want her so much that she didn't even bother to name her. She just left her. And Christine grew up in foster care and was molested for the first 12 years of her life. She ended up getting out of that and got saved and set free and God redeemed her and it, it was amazing. And now then, she, here she was and she was going around and she's evangelizing, telling people about Jesus and this hope that she's found and, and everything is going, uh, is going amazing in her life. And, and she's walking through an airport in Germany and she sees that children are missing. And she, has the, she asks the question, she goes, I don't understand how you can lose your kids And the woman looks at her and says, no, they weren't lost. They were stolen. They were kidnapped, and they have been put into sex trafficking. Christine Kane had never even heard of this, and and she began to do research, and and she was overwhelmed by the amount of people that are in modern-day slavery and in sex slavery and doing all of these horrible things. And so she sat back and she thought, what can I do to make a difference? the, 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 The need is too great. It's too big, but what can I do? Here a woman is who came out of being molested all her life, decided that maybe I could make an impact. Maybe I could do something to make a difference in somebody else's life. Maybe I could keep a child from having to go through what I went through. So she started a campaign called A21. Now then they go around and they've rescued thousands and thousands of girls and keep people from being trafficked all the time. She said it's one of the greatest things that she's ever done in her life. And she chose to be used by God. I love what she said. She said, 
I think because we think, I can't do it all, we end up being paralyzed. So we do nothing. But if we understand we can't do everything, but we all must do something, and we all find the one thing we can do, then we'll find that together we will make a huge difference. I think that the, the enemy wants to do one thing in your life. It's this. It's make you, especially you young people, think that there's, your life does not count for anything. There's nothing you can do to make a difference. There's nothing you can do to make an impact. After all, what can you do that hasn't already been done? And I want you to understand that if Noah was running beside you today, he would say this. One person can make a difference. If you will choose to be used by God, if you'll choose to say, God, what can I do in this generation? What can I do? What can I do? What have you put me here on this planet? Let me tell you, God has put you here for a reason. It's your job to discover what that reason is. One person can make a difference. The second thing I think that he would tell you is that you can make a difference in your family. That you can make a difference in your family. I love hearing people talk about, they'll show up at church and we'll say, well, how did you hear about it? And they're, they're like, oh, well, well, my daughter brought me. She kept telling me, we, I want to go to church. I want to go to church. I love when young people rise up and say, I want to, to make a difference in my family. I'm not satisfied with the way it is. I know that I have a call on my life. I know that God has a purpose for me. In Genesis 7, 1, it says, Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Whether you know it or not, whether you realize it or not, you are making an impact on the people around you. It's either in a positive way or it's in a negative way. There is no in-between. It's either positive, you're impacting people in a positive way or it's a negative way. There's just no way. God has put you here for a reason. Now let me just take this a step beyond just your family. Because I think that we have to understand that God has, he wants us to impact our sphere of influence. He wants you to impact the people that are around you. Now, let me just tell you that, that uh, most people will tell, tell you that your sphere of influence is 12 people. I don't know how they figure this up. They got more time than I got. But they, they'll tell you that your sphere of influence, nearly every person out there has a sphere of influence of 12 people. Now, how they figure that is they say that you spend an hour or more a week with those people. And, and it, you can do the math. The most that you could have is 17 people. Now, let me just say this. Social media does not count. Oh, well, I'll look at their Instagram feed for hours. No, that doesn't count. You've you got to understand that you spend an hour or more. Now, here's, a, here's a, actually a, a, a shocking statistic is, is that most dads spend 49 minutes a week with their kids. So their kids wouldn't be in their sphere of influence. But you have been put here to impact 
your sphere of influence. There are people around you. There's people in your life that you have been put on this planet to impact. Yeah, it starts with mom. Yeah, it's it's dad. Yeah, it's brother. Yeah, it's sister. Yeah, it's grandparents. But the truth is, is there's also friends in your life that God has put you here to impact. They might not be best friends forever, but I promise you this, that God has put you in their life for right now in this season to make an impact if you will do it. You can make a difference in your family. You know, I grew up in a Christian home all my life. I, I was in a Christian home. I, hey, I, I was a pastor's kid. Come on, any pastor's kids in the place? And, and uh, my, uh, my wife did not. In fact, uh, she, when I met uh, my wife, she was very much backslid and, and living like a, the devil. Come on. She was running with the devil. But uh, I met her, and, and I told, my most important thing with her was, is, you know, yeah, she's pretty, yeah, she's nice. But I told her, I was like, you need to get in church. Like, you need, you need Jesus, obviously. <laughs> like, like, you need Jesus. And, uh, and so she got into church, and she got saved. And, I mean, God radically changed her life, did something amazing. And, but what I loved about my wife is, is that she had made a determination. Yeah, she, she was really the first one saved in her family. She was the first person that was ever saved in her family, and she made a decision that I am not going to sit by and just let my family not, not know Jesus. I'm not going to sit by and let my family not know this love and this change that I've found. So she told everybody, she would talk to everybody, she'd say, I will see all of my family saved. I will see all of my family in church. And she just kept on believing that. She kept on praying for that. And, and guess what? One day her mom showed up who is currently goes to this church and her mom shows up and then she brings her her dad into the church and now then her sisters are going to the church and and all of a sudden we begin to see all of these people coming to church because one woman made a decision that I will make an impact on my family that I can make a difference on my family that God has put me here not to just impact everyone else but God has put me to to impact the sphere of influence and I will talk to people, and I will tell them, and I will pray for them. Come on, I want you to understand one of the most powerful things you can do is pray sometimes. You need to ask God, say, God, I don't know how to tell somebody about Jesus. I don't know how to reach them. I don't know how I'm going to ever, I, I mean, come on, there's some of you that you, your, your family is crazy. You're, they are messed up, and you're like, man, if I even bring up Jesus, I'm afraid they'll stab me. But God has put you here to impact your family. He's put you here to make a difference. The third thing I think that Noah would tell you if he had the chance, and that's this, that you can make a difference in your generation. You can make a difference in your generation. It's so important for us to realize that God has put us here not to stay, not to just blend in not to just oh well it, we're just going to just act like everything's okay and everything's normal God has put us here to make a difference in our generation and I think sometimes we get so overwhelmed by it, just like Christine Kane was saying, we get so overwhelmed by it that we don't, we don't do anything. And you have to understand that God wants you to do something. 
uh, we were driving down the road one day, and and um, me and Crystal, Crystal was in the front seat, and we're, we're you know cruising along, listening to whatever, and I, I read a, I saw a billboard that was way, way off in the distance, and I saw it, and I read it, and I, I don't remember, it's something stupid, and uh, I read the billboard, and, and uh, anyway, she kind of laughed, she goes, where, where, where'd you, where'd that come from, and I was like, it's, it's on that billboard, that massive billboard way up ahead there, and she goes, she squints, come on, you know the squint, she squints, and she looks, and she goes, I can't see a thing, and I said, you cannot read that billboard. I mean, the letters are the size of, come on, they're, they're massive. How can you not read this billboard? This is a massive billboard. And she goes, mm, can't see anything. In fact, I really, I can't even read that sign. Just And it, this sign was like 20 foot ahead of us. And she's like, I can't even read that sign. And I'm like, I said, honey, you need to go get your eyes checked. Anybody ever... Now, listen, this is when the argument starts, because she goes, no, I don't. I'm not sure that I look cute in glasses. And I said, no, you need to go, seriously, you need to go get your eyes checked. There's something, if you can't read a billboard that far off, there is something wrong. And she goes, no, I do not need to. And I said, honey, don't you want to be able to see? She said, I can see fine as long as I don't look too far off. This is woman logic, okay? As long as I don't look too far in, in, into the... And so she finally ends up going to the doctor and she gets di diagnosed as being nearsighted. It's always confused me. I've always thought, well, I can see up close, you know. But she's nearsighted. And, and I think what happens a lot of times is that we end up living a life of nearsighted Christianity, where we think, if I don't look too far into the future, as long as I don't look too far in, uh, in front of me, as long as I, if I just keep focused on this area right here, and I'm telling you right now, as a church, we will never be that kind of church where we say, I'm just happy with what's in this building. I'm just satisfied with what's right here, right now. I want us to be a church that is always reaching for a generation, that is always saying, I'm not satisfied. I'm always looking further down the road. I'm always wanting more. Come on, somebody. Well, you don't understand. Churches are getting too big. No, churches are never too big as long as people still need Jesus. A church can never be too big. But if you're not careful, we can get into this place to where we say, it's my four and no more. I, I, I don't want more people in our church because it gets crowded. I don't want more people in my church because I need an entire row to myself. I don't want pe more people in my church because I don't like the way they, they smell. I don't like the way they talk. I don't like the way they act. And I want you to understand that God has put you here not for comfort, but to make an impact on this generation. Always be reaching and always be looking. I love what Jesus said. In John 4.35, he said, lift up your eyes, for the fields are white with harvest. Let us always be a church that is lifting up our eyes. That we're always looking for the lost. That we're always seeing people that are hurting, 
that need Jesus, that we're always, we're always reaching more people. It's not just about who we have just around us, but what God has put us here to make an impact on this generation. Don't ever buy into the lie that you can't make an impact. As we finish the lap, and it's about time for Noah to get in his seat. To leave you running, what would be some final words that he would say? And I think he would say this. He'd say, don't be afraid to stand out in the crowd. You know, the interesting thing about Noah is, is that here he is. He's just a normal man. Obviously, he lived for God, but he's a normal man. And he's in a place that has never seen rain. And he's building a boat. I, now, here's the deal is year one is cool. Like, you start doing something for God, and it's, everything's going well, and, hey, I'm building this boat, and people are laughing at you and kind of snickering, and, yeah, wh- okay, whatever. But, but he keeps on doing it. And year 83 comes around, and he's still building a boat in the middle of desert. Never seen rain. There's no rain around, and he's still doing what God has told him to do. Even though everybody's mocking him, even though everybody's making fun of him, even though everybody is telling him that he's an idiot, he keeps on doing what God has told him to do. Let me just say this for a moment. It's really easy to start something God uh, for God. It's really hard to finish something for God. It's really easy to say, you know what, God, I'm willing to do this, and I'm willing to roll up my sleeves, and I'm willing to start this, but when it starts getting difficult, and when people start thinking that you're an idiot, when people start making fun of you, when things start to seem like they're not going like they're as planned, then it's really easy to throw in the towel and walk away. And I want you to understand that God says, or Noah would tell you this, do not be afraid to stand out in a crowd. I think too many people try to just, well, if I can just fly under the radar. It took him 120 years to build this boat. And he stayed consistent. And he kept going. And he kept pushing. Young people, let me tell you this. Don't ever be afraid to stand out in a crowd. Don't ever be afraid to stand up for what you believe in. Don't ever be afraid. Maybe all your friends are doing something, but you know it's not right. Don't be afraid. The second thing I think he would tell you is, Don't be afraid to do something for the first time. But it's never been done before. I I, I don't, don't be afraid to do it for the first time. I believe this. I believe that God is going to raise up a generation that is going to begin to do stuff that has never been done before. They're going to begin to step out in faith. They're going to begin to reach people in ways that we've never even dreamed of and never even thought of. But I want you to understand that you have to, un- you have, to have a fearlessness on the inside of you that says, I, don't, I know nobody's ever done it before. I know it's not been done this way before. But I feel like God has put something on the inside of me. And I'm not going to be afraid to do it just because no one else has ever done it. You know, we... Uh, we launched out to plant this church. And I had a lot of frames of reference because my dad had planted a church. 
he had planted a church before, and I'd helped him. And so I kind of knew what was going on. I knew what to expect. I knew, you know, what, would, what was going to happen. I knew it was scary. I knew there was risk. But I could always pick up the phone and call my dad. Hey, Dad, this is what's... And he was always there encouraging me. But now then we break into new ground, and now we're setting in a place to where we're going, we have to buy land. Because there's no buildings to rent. There's no place to go. We're out of room. We have to buy land, and we have to build. And I call my dad, and he says, son, you're on your own. I've never built, and I've never bought land for a church. I've always just taken them over. And I remember in that moment, there was something that was, there was a fear, honestly, that came upon me. Because now I didn't have somebody there that had gone before. I didn't have somebody there on my side that said, hey, listen, I've been there and I've done that. Now, by no means am I the first guy to ever build a church. I'm not trying to say that. But there's nobody in my realm that has built a church before that is sitting there saying, you can do this. You got this. Trust me. I know what, what it's like. And I know that it's scary. I want you to understand that God will always call you to do stuff sometimes. And you'll say, this is crazy. This doesn't make sense. I, nobody's ever done it before. God God, why in the world am I a church that's not even a year old and we're buying land? And I want you to understand that just because nobody's done it before doesn't mean God hasn't called you to do it now. Don't be afraid. There's some of you in this place that you don't even know the gift that's on the inside of you. You don't even know what God has placed inside of you, what God has called you to. And you've gone through day in, day out of, I'm just going to just punch a clock. I'm just going to go through the motions. And I'm here to challenge that today. Because I believe that God is whispering to some people. I believe that, you know, sometimes I think that we think God talks to us in this big booming voice from heaven. But a lot of times when I feel like God speaks to me, it's often in a whisper. And it's just an inner knowing. And it's peace. And I wonder if some of you have been ignoring the whisper. For too long. If you've been ignoring what God is telling you for too long, maybe God is whispering to you and He's saying, Don't quit. And you've wanted to throw in the towel. You wanted to say, I'm finished, I'm done. But there's a whisper on the inside that says, Don't quit. Maybe God is telling you to take a risk, to step out, to do something that's never been done before. Maybe he's telling you not to be satisfied with the status quo, that he has more planned for you. Maybe God's whispering you and he's telling you to apologize now.
Yeah, I know you're mad. Yeah, I know they hurt you. I know that you've done some things, that you said some things. Your pride won't let you. Some of you need to pick up a phone and you need to call that person. You need to say, I'm sorry. Stop letting your pride get in the way of a relationship. Maybe God's telling you to get help. You struggle with an addiction. And God's saying it's time for you to get help. There's people out here that are for you. This isn't a building full of perfect people. It's a building full of people that are trying to get through it. They're going through life just like you are. Every one of us are represented, and we might not have the same struggle as you, but we all struggle. Maybe you need to get help. I think the last thing that he would tell you before he walked into the stands, and I think he would say this, no matter how bad it seems, God is always with you. God is always with you. Matthew 28, 20. Jesus says, and be sure of this. I am with you always. Even to the end of the ages.